Hello, and welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. We're going on a journey through the symbols and secrets of the major arcana, and we hope you'll join us. If you've been listening along so far, you'll know we sometimes get carried away on like a tide of glyphs, and we're knee-deep in Kabbalah before we can stop ourselves. So if it sounds like we're speaking in tongues, please stay with us. Help is on the way. We have a webpage, www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. And on that webpage, you'll find basic reference articles and episode notes that are free to everyone, as well as behind the scenes posts and in-depth articles for patrons. And if you become a patron, you'll get a chance to win our giveaways, like Oliver in West Yorkshire, England, who just won last week's High Priestess giveaway. Congratulations, Oliver! This week we have a very special giveaway in honor of the Empress, who is associated with Venus, the goddess of love and beauty herself. I'm offering one bottle of my Breath of Venus perfume, which is the number one bestseller in my line of esoteric zodiac perfumes. It's a classic Chypre, which is a type of perfume thought to suggest the island of Cyprus. And Cyprus is, according to ancient belief, the island of Venus. It has sensual notes of oak moss, patchouli, rock rose, and bergamot and cedar. It's profoundly stirring and a little bit dangerous, if I do say so myself. And if you're a patron at the $3 level or above, Breath of Venus could be yours. And now, here is Fortune's Wheelhouse. as we usually do, with looking at her different titles. Um, in both the Rider-Waite-Smith and in the Thoth Tarot, uh, she is just the Empress. But she's also called in other decks, she's sometimes called the Queen um, or Isis Urania, Urania Urania. And uh, I believe the Hermetic title is Daughter of the Mighty Ones. Which Mighty Ones? Do you know? Chakma and Bina. Oh, okay, because she's... She she's the path uh, going between Hakma and Bina, okay. But we'll get to that later. Okay, that's right. Hakma, Hakma <laughs> and Bina. So uh, so I guess the the first thing we should do is look at the astrological information embedded in the card, and uh, of course the main astrological attribution of this card is Venus. Venus, lovely Venus. Um, it's interesting because. She is our um, second planet, right? We've had Mercury already. And the second one in from the sun. And the second one in from the sun, exactly. Uh, There are so many Venus references in both these cards um, that I guess we should just dive in. Where shall we start? I think an obvious place to start is the, the glyph of Venus, which if you 
look at actually it's all over both cards but mm-hmm. it's especially apparent in the rider Waite smith card um, <laughs> it's almost it's, it's almost yeah. ridiculously obvious yeah so it's it's right there big and bold on the heart-shaped shield mm-hmm. the pomegranates of her dress if you look at the little leafy form below them they're actually little glyphs of venus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they sure are where else is it in there Oh, oh, on the pillow behind her, not the red oh, pillow, yes. but the black one has yellow little glyphs of Venus all over it. That's right. And there are probably other Venusian references. There are lots. Not the actual yeah. symbol itself mm-hmm. so much, but... Right. There are a lot of things here, um, natural natural references, like the cypress trees. Um, those are sacred to... Well, Venus. the cypress trees or cypress trees, mm-hmm. uh, however you want to pronounce I think you're that. right, it's cypress. I say cypress. They're really interesting because, so you mentioned that they're sacred to Venus, but they're mm-hmm. also considered a, a funeral tree. Death, that's right. There, there's a lot of death symbolism there. Mm-hmm. They're planted in cemeteries, and they're, they're related to death because I guess if you prune them back too severely, they will not grow back or something like that. Mm-hmm. But what's even more interesting to me is I actually question whether those are cypress trees mm-hmm. and if they're not a specific form of cypress tree called the arbor vitae, which oh, really? means the tree, tree of, of life. life. Right. And the symbol of Venus is the only glyph that encompasses every one of the sephiroth on the tree of life yes. in its shape. Yes. So exactly. I actually think that's a reference to Arbor Vitae, the tree of life, in a very subtle way. And why not? And why not? And But there could be something to the death symbolism, too, because we'll see when we get into Crowley's card that death and life are very much both a part of this card. Mm-hmm. Um, her position on the tree between the supernal parents, she's often referred to as the gate of heaven. Mm-hmm. And that goes both ways. Right. Now, if it is, in fact, a cypress tree, we don't know for sure, but that would also make sense because um, the isle, the island of Cyprus, was sacred to Venus. She, uh, That is her seat. If you read an Orphic hymn to uh, Aphrodite, um, it always refers to her coming from Cyprus. Uh, and also, it is the name of the um, perfume um, that the sheep perfume, that's uh, French for Cyprus, which is uh, supposed to be linked to that island and Venus and the herbs and flowers that are sacred to her. And also she's got pearls, which are um, very Venusian. Yeah, the Aphrodite rising from the scallop shell. Mm -hmm. And it may also be a salt reference um, because she's the next alchemical card. So we already had Mercury, who's alchemical mercury and venus is alchemical salt so the pearls may also be a salt water kind of reference as well i like that a lot other venus references in the weight card so we've got the pomegranates on her gown but pomegranates are related to apples Mm -hmm. um and apples are actually related to roses another another symbol of 
Venus. So if you look at the leaves of an apple tree and the leaves of a rose bush, that you can see right away that they look almost exactly the same. And mm-hmm. if you look at the blossoms mm-hmm. on an apple tree, they look like the little wild five-petaled rose. Yes, and if you look at the rose, five. the rose hip itself looks like a cross between a little apple and a pomegranate. <laughs> if you you know, it kind of has that little tuft on it. And um, it's also interesting just to me, and I don't know why they're called rose hips, mm. whereas hips are related in astrology to, you know, Venus rules Libra mm-hmm. and Libra is associated with the kidneys and that mm-hmm. whole area of the body. So I just, mm-hmm. I, I have no idea why they're called rose hips, but I just thought that was an interesting yeah, coincidence yeah. perhaps. Right, right. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I, I, and if you open up the apple, you know, cross section wise, you see the the pattern five of five pointed, seeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, five-pointed mm-hmm. star. Right. All right. Um, so let's look at Venus references in the Thoth card. Well. I guess you could say um, you could say that on her crown, uh, right. the, although that is, the, she, there's a sort of an orb of dominion on, <laughs> on her crown, which is. Oh, you know, the, the orb of dominion, that's a really interesting thing, because look at the shape of the glyph of Venus and turn it upside down. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. Even yeah. though it is the alchemical glyph for antimony and the orb of dominion, if you turn it upside down, yeah, it's a Venus. Right, and reference. it's also uh, that shape, the, the glyph of Venus is also an ankh, a glyph mm-hmm. of life. Mm-hmm. So again, it pulls into the Venusian and the the yeah. the Demeter goddesses of... Um, Mm-hmm. of life and creation. Mm-hmm. She's also, you know, very much just like the fool and the magus were two sides of the same thing. She's also another side of the priestess card. Yes. It's, there's a definite evolution between those two cards. And if you look at the tree of life, so on... At the top there, we had the Fool and the Magus, and they're very much related, and they're opposite each other. Mm -hmm. They're symmetrical with respect to the Y-axis. And it's really interesting to look at opposites on the tree. Now, the Empress being on that middle path, Mm -hmm. she's one of only... Well, she's she's one of only three paths that are completely above the Abyss. So Mm -hmm. it's the Fool, the Magus, and the Empress. Mm -hmm. Um, The Priestess rises into that area but mm-hmm. is also down below in the in the lower she world as through. well and mm-hmm. she crosses the empress's path and the empress is one of only three horizontal paths on the tree right so she doesn't really have an opposite to look at on the tree but she we can look at the paths that she's related to so if we look at the priestess and the empress you see a definite progression between those cards the virgin and the Mm -hmm. mother right or the persephone and demeter yeah Mm -hmm. exactly Mm -hmm. and if you look at the horizontal paths in relation to her that's interesting as well because you have you have at so her opposite horizontal path you could say is the tower oh yeah you could say that venus and mars love and war Mm -hmm. another name for the tower card is war and another name for the empress card is often love Mm -hmm. so you've got a very nice interplay just like in astrology one of the things i really find 
enlightening often is to look at opposites. So if you want to learn about the 12th house, also study the 6th house. Right. If you want to learn about Pisces, also study, study Virgo. Virgo. And right. look at those those polarities and axes. And the same thing here. So if you want to know what the Empress is about, also look at the, right. her opposite path, which you could say is the tower. So if you're looking at your diagram, you'd see that the Empress path runs between Chokmah and Bina, and whereas the tower path runs between Netzach and Hod down on the bottom of the tree. So you can see how they're sort of symmetrical that way. And in between them, the the other horizontal path is lust or mm-hmm. strength. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really interesting because if you think of, well, what would you get if you combine love and, love and war? <laughs> ah, that's right. I mean, the lust. scarlet I goddess. Mean, I mean, right? <laughs> yes. It kind of makes sense to me. So, And plus the love and war thing, that's Venus and Mars. Mm-hmm. Mars is the tower card and the Empress is the Venus. So there's, it's just that's really, really interesting, interesting always yeah. to look at your opposites on the tree and in astrology. And there's always deeper meaning there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. another really interesting thing to look at is just the fact that, you know, she's Venus, but the Sephirah of Venus is Netzach. And mm-hmm. right. you see in Crowley's right. card, there's some references to that because um, you see at the very bottom of the card, there's those little tiny fishies. Yes, yes. Well, mm-hmm. when you think of fish, I mean, do you think of death, the death card because of the Hebrew <laughs> letter right. that means fish? And right. it kind if you think of so the path of the death card runs from Tifereth mm-hmm. to Netzach. Right. That's true. And so there's another life death thing going on, just like we had the cypress and the arborvitae trees. Mm-hmm. We've got a life death uh theme here. And and even in the book of Thoth, uh when Crowley speaks of this card, he says Isis and Nephthys. Mm-hmm. So Nephthys was Isis's sister and is associated with the underworld. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of very interesting that life and death are both evident in this card. I mean, this card is often you just say, "Oh, pregnant, pregnant lady, birth." <laughs> but I mean, there's a whole lot more to it than that, and there's there a lot is. of creativity, and there's there's also that other side of life that part when you're born, death is part of that experience. That's right. And also, um, we've talked a little bit in the past about the um, polar attributes assigned in the Kabbalah to the um, double letters, like Daleth is a double letter, and that's the correspondence for the Empress. And that, what goes with that letter is um, peace and war. So again, that, Interesting. that uh, yeah. you know, yep. Venus and Mars kind of juxtaposition or confrontation. Oh, another thing about the fish reference Mm -hmm. may also have something to do with her consort, the emperor. So his letter is Zadi, which means fish hook. Right, right. So it makes me wonder if that's yet another reason why for the fish reference on her card. Plus, fish are associated with fertility and... Oh, and there's one other important thing. Astrologically, Venus is exalted in Pisces, isn't she? Ah, yeah, yes. 27 yes, Pisces. exactly. So yeah. there's there's a yet another reason for the fish. Mm-hmm. Well, you may never know exactly why, but maybe it's all of those. <laughs> all it of could the be above. all of those things. This is symbolism belongs to everybody. Choose what you like and use it. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, and also blue lotus, blue flames on the... Uh, 
on the Crowley card. Uh, that's, again, that reference to Aphrodite rising from the sea, from the um, testicles of Uranus, right? Ha! That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> from the testicles of Uranus, the sea foam, the sea foam forms on the sea, and, and Aphrodite, goddess of beauty, arises out of that. Hence, these sort of blue uh, flame images uh, to mm. either side of her, and, of course, the fish as well. I think... Um Crowley says something about the lotus wand as being the the roots beneath the water, but the top open to the sun. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And it's associated with Isis as well. And her crown, she's so, she, her crown, it's Isis and Hathor both wore that kind of crown. Yes, it's sort of like the solar disc crown, only it's... Got the yeah. orb, the orb there of the... Uh, and you know what's interesting about that that cross on the orb now? It's a Maltese cross, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's an equal-armed cross, and I kind of see also the supernals there. So mm-hmm. her, you know, the three, mm-hmm. the three oh, yeah. supernals, Keter and Bina and Hakma there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It could it, be. It, it, it could be. It looks. It looks very uh, reminiscent of that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's the archway behind her. The, the so that's a reference to Dalet, right? Which means door, door. and mm-hmm. you know, it, it, her name as the Gate of Heaven. Mm-hmm. Again, the door, the path between the two uh, supernal parents. I love that about this card, the idea that she is a doorway um, between life and not life like that. The, there's, there's, uh, in the continental tradition, they, they assign Gimel to the empress, which is also, you know, you can see it that way because the, the, the camel brings life and, you know, across the barren desert. But I particularly like that association of Dalith and Dor because um, there's just something that's so, so primordial about mm. the, that threshold um, that we all go through. And especially the idea that she's, <laughs> she's, she's not just the doorway between, um, life and not life or life and death but she's also this channel between the pillar of force and the pillar of form you know i think she's like the lincoln tunnel Mm. (laughs) on a literal level also adores you know the womb itself Mm -hmm. exactly exactly well we should uh, perhaps talk for a second about uh, mother double and single letters i i know we've mentioned it before but um but the mother letters, of course, are Aleph, Mem, and Shin, and the double letters are the ones that were supposed to have um, a, a double pronunciation, hard or soft. But that's why we have these polar attributions like life and death, wisdom and folly, peace and war. Um, because we have seven double letters, we associate them with the seven planets, which each have these um, sort of double powers that we look at each time. Yeah, let's do symbols before we do color and alchemy. Yeah, I think that yeah. makes sense. Okay, so um, so we've talked about the the pomegranates. We've talked about the trees, whatever they are. Um, we haven't talked about the wheat in the Rider Waite Smith, and that could well be a Demeter reference. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, because uh, you know the the maternal harvest of Demeter, um, and again emphasizing her relationship with the previous card. The there's also the waterfall behind her there on the right of the card. Yes. Which I have heard 
refers to it's a priestess reference actually mm, the, the rivers you know, yeah the, yes. the rivers coming down um the primal waters of eden mm-hmm. uh, descending weren't there supposed to be four rivers of eden something like that There's and then they descend like from yeah. the high priestess to um past these trees of possibly life <laughs> And I also wonder, see, see how there's the cypress trees or the arborvitae trees, and then mm-hmm. there's that other more deciduous-looking yes. tree there. And I wonder if there's any reference to the tree of knowledge. You know, Eve is a, associated with this card, both biblical Eve and uh, mitochondrial Eve, you know, the mother of all. Mm-hmm. So it could be another, you know, Eve reference as there as well. I just think it's so interesting. I I did a reading for a client yesterday, and she drew this card. And I think what's so interesting about dealing with Venus and in the Empress card is because you're you're dealing with someone who is a wife and a mother. You know, there's um, there's essential there's essential overtones and emphases with the card. The idea of Venus as the other, the counterpart to Mars as the desirable Venus, as the affectionate, loving Venus. But there's also the um, the generative maternal force that you know um, continues to produce, continues to grow, uh, no matter what you do. I mean, it's it, that she cannot help but be right. the power of fertility. Right. And it's interesting because as women today, we sometimes, you know, see a fight between our wife and mother roles. And I think sometimes what makes this card so powerful for women when they get it is that she combines those things into one incredibly powerful image. Yeah, there's something about the card, you know, back to the the relationship between love and war, the tower mm-hmm. and the empress you know, one tears down and one builds up. One nurtures and mm-hmm. gestates and the other one, you know, mm-hmm. clears everything away. I think a lot of times this card comes up and people feel very limited by the definition of just wife and mother. Mm. And they're like, well, how does this apply to me if, say, they're neither a wife nor a mother or mm-hmm. if they're a man or if they just don't feel that type of maternal uh, quality mm-hmm. within them mm-hmm. and there's a lot of m- creation yes. to it that is more than just creating you know birthing and and exactly there can be the birth of an artwork and That's all the creativity exactly that you can nurture and grow and and it's done in silence um there's a lot of like the the being in the womb is a very silent and you're not talking about something you're you're doing it you're nurturing it until you're ready to you're in a, an artwork mm-hmm. you're, you're not out there talking about it you'll kill the the magic you're waiting right. it's for like it. messing around when a seed is growing letting yeah, yeah letting yeah. it gestate letting it do its thing and taking care of it in the mm-hmm. meanwhile so i think there's something to the creativity aspect of this card that the sh- and the shakti you know energy mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is often overlooked um I think that's absolutely true. I mean, Venus is um, the goddess we look to in the arts. You know, so often we associate her with beautiful things of all kinds. Um, And I remember the very first tarot reader I ever went to, you know, uh, was talking to me about the fifth house of astrology where children are and saying, you know, your creative projects are your children, too. And that's what I think of with this card that, you know, that all... All creative things come 
that that is a form of motherhood as well to create um, things from your mind and your heart and your soul, not just from your body. Another thing um, in the Book of Lies, Crowley says that this card represents one aspect of the great work to receive and accept all impressions, mm-hmm. not to let them dominate you, but only to fructify you. Oh, interesting. So there's that receptive, yeah. the receptive. quality, you know, mm-hmm. to take in something and, and let it penetrate you in order to grow something from that right. experience. Right, right. So sort of the um, equation of the feminine with the receptive again in this in this picture. What about the double crescent moons? I know you know a lot about that, so... What's up with the moons? Is that just like a feminine versus solar masculine thing? Or what's going on with that? Well, I think there's a lot. Whenever you see the crescent moons, especially when you see them in both directions, there's often a a fluctuating force. Mm -hmm. I also wonder, and you always see these referred to as moons, so I could be totally off base, but (laughs) you do know that Venus is one of the only other planets that we see its phases. Mm -hmm. So if you have a telescope and you look at Venus, you're not always seeing the same face. It actually has waxing and waning and and crescents you know, phases. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I always wondered if those were actually the moon or if they were actually phases of Venus. Hmm, I always see them referred to as the moon, but... Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Oh, you know, and maybe it has to do with... It could also have to do with the moon's influence on the waters, perhaps. And you see how they're... Each of the the lunar crescents are in a circle within a circle. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a, a relationship to the solar glyph or if it's more like a, an egg, like a zygote. It, you know, I uh, always the, think it looks it like an of, egg. <laughs> kind of looks like that. So I'm like, right, hmm. right, right. And she is facing what we would call here in the northern hemisphere the waxing crescent, and that one's larger. The, one that the grows. larger the the outer circle of light around that one is larger mm-hmm. than the other one as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you just divided the card in half, you know, I think somewhere, I don't know if it was snuffing, someone mentioned that the fact that that side was larger and she was facing that side had something to do with that the the new aeon was bringing in the energy of the white eagle, whereas the, the, the pelican mm-hmm. uh, symbolism, which we haven't even talked about yet was <laughs> was more of the past right and was fading away interesting hmm. what about her belt is that it's i believe it's got signs of the zodiac yep. signs of the zodiac is that a girdle of isis girdle of venus yeah one of the <laughs> if you look at the the magical weapons of venus right. it's the right. lamp the girdle and the rose mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. can actually see a little rose in this card in between mm-hmm. the uh, shield and the pelican down below beneath her there's a tiny oh, little yes. rose yes there is so i don't see the lamp on here but i do mm-hmm. see those other the other two weapons of venus perhaps she is the lamp <laughs> uh, the zodiacal belt could be a reference to her cyclical nature the cyclical nature mm-hmm. of fertility and the way it returns and leaves and it could also just be her a reference to her position on the tree. I mean, Hakma mm-hmm. is being the zodiac, mm-hmm. and then Bina is the side. Well, it's traditionally Saturn. There's also, if you look at um, 
the Masonic pillars, which you'll see in the priestess card sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if you look at illustrations of those, you'll see the Hakma pillar has a globe on the top with the belt of the zodiac around it. It's mm. like the celestial globe. And the other one on Venus' side has another globe, and it's the earthly globe. It's really? the globe of the earth. So even though that's the Saturn Sephira Earth makes sense Saturn because and the mother and the daughter. There, there's the universe card mm-hmm. that's, the Bina that's both Earth connection. and Saturn. Yeah, the Bina mm-hmm. Malkuth, the mother and the daughter. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really interesting that you see, that you see that on the two pillars, and she's in between them. So it just mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. me wonder if that's a connection between you know the zodiac and the Earth. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, shall we talk about the pelican? Oh boy, the pelican, <laughs> yeah. Um, there's the whole self-sacrifice theme. Right, the idea that the pelican nourishes its young with blood that it's um, giving from its, from own, its breast. own breast. Oh, that's so depressing. And I've also read that there's a, <laughs> a, there's a, some other mythology where the father pelican kills the baby pelicans and then the mother resuscitates them with blood oh, from her. It's a horrible world. <laughs> Yeah, and then there's also there's a it's a it's a Jesus Christ uh, sacrificial yes. thing, and we'll yes. see in the next card, the Emperor. There's also a theme of the sacrifice, the, uh, you know, a Jesus Christ sacrificial. The Lamb in the, in the other card is mm-hmm. often has that same theme. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that you know that you have associated with Venus both the Swan iconography not in the card but i mean in general swans and pelicans again that sort of distinction between you know um her her sensual role as a lover and her role as a mother and um you know nurturing her children when i see this card another thing i always think of so you think of mother nature right mm-hmm. but you know there's that there's that tennyson poem red in tooth and claw yeah, yeah. nature red in tooth and claw and That's i always sure. remember that there is, venus has her vicious aspect as she well does. <laughs> she does she can be incredibly destructive and you know i i think about that you know if we ever get to do the minors um i love thinking about that in terms of the 7 of cups the venus and scorpio where she you know where she takes things and transforms them into you know decay and ruin so they can grow again mm. so yeah the whole terrible mother thing yes <laughs> <laughs> right i i did want to talk about the symbolism in the Waite Smith card, the revelations symbolism, because uh, that's something that everyone sort of refers to, but we never really look at that closely. So I actually took out my Bible and uh, found Revelations 12, so we can actually uh, read that reference. Um, so this is Revelation uh, chapter 12, verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. So that's actually verse 1 and 2 of Revelation. And wow, that's, that sounds like the Empress. <laughs> mm-hmm. The twelve stars uh, on her head, you can see them right there. Uh, I believe there's six-pointed stars, so whenever we see a six-pointed star, that's a heaven and earth Mm -hmm. kind of reference, right? 
and uh, and perhaps at her feet, perhaps the water in the Waitsmith card could be. Yeah, the moon at her feet that. thing is usually in the Priestess card, right? And I think right. it's just yet more evidence of the conflation of these two. You know, Isis Hathor. Mm-hmm. They're often mm-hmm. aspects of the same goddess in a sense. Right. 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 The the she's got the twelve stars. Mm-hmm. The priestess has the moon at her feet, and I always think of the lust card as being clothed by the sun. Right. So it's almost like the the right. imagery has been split between those three yeah. cards in a sense. Yeah. Because the Babylon imagery is that from this refer to the same verse. Yeah. It does. It does. So. Then we've got the dove and the sparrow in in Crowley's card. Mm-hmm. That more Aphrodite, more Aphrodite uh, references. I think somewhere weight refers to the dove as desire and wings thereof. <laughs> and he also often makes uh, reference to the dove and the serpent. Mm-hmm. As right. kind of counterparts, which we'll see the, later the, in the here. The dove fan. and the sparrow are supposed to refer to sex and love. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, I think I think That's interesting. the dove as love and the sparrow and the- as being very um, prolific. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got the alchemical yeah. references here. So we... Mention that she's the alchemical salt, and you see in the uh, Crowley card that her posture is that, if, with a little imagination, you can see her posture is intended to be that of salt. So the salt glyph is a round circle with a horizontal line through it. And it's you can like see a sideways her... power button. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can see her body is um, re- very round and her mm-hmm. arms kind of bring in that horizontal um, line. The other really cool thing that I don't think is often mentioned is that her arm there, see the kind of one arm's holding the lotus wand, but the other one is kind of in this rather awkward looking position. Yes. Yes. It's as if she's cradling an infant. It is as if she is. And that particular position is called mater triumphans. Hmm. So uh, it's it's symbolized it symbolizes Isis holding the infant. I see. I see. Right. Right. And of course salt in alchemy is the passive um matter. Matter which has been energized by sulfur. <laughs> we'll be getting to the sulfur shortly, <laughs> but um but that sort of ties in. You can see why salt would be uh the association for the empress that receptive quality that uh that sort of a material potential that can be activated um then down below we have the uh fleur de lis there mm. several of them which can you guess what that means uh is it a phallic reference? Phallus in the yoni. <laughs> That's right, because lilies, yeah. Yeah, of yeah. course. Of course it is. <laughs> because we haven't had a phallus reference yet. <laughs> it was time. <laughs> and then, of course, there's the white eagle the white on the eagle, shield. Yes, so that, I, as I understand it, the white eagle of alchemy represents uh, the, the raw, natural uh, potential before it's refined into by the artifice of the right. alchemist. So it's the the white tincture that is the lunar force, mm-hmm. the receptive force, to the counterpart to the red tincture, the solar 
force mm-hmm. that we'll see in the next card. And it's really interesting how they did that when you think about how, you know, there's always been a shield with a bird on it on these cards, even, you know, stretching way back into the Marseille tradition uh, on both Empress and Emperor. Except here, they're two-headed eagles, which I think in those, they're single-headed eagles. They are. They are. And in the the two beaks, they're holding, I think, a a crescent moon, but it's also, again, it's within the circle. Mm -hmm. So again, is that a solar reference? Or is it a, an egg, you know, the, yeah. the nucleus of the egg? It looks a lot egg. like a waxing uh-huh. crescent um, yep. above it. Yeah. yeah. And it, it almost, now I don't I don't know if I'm seeing too much into it, but that almost looks like the glyph of Venus. So you've got the round mm. circle there and see the body of the eagle and then the, the cross, the, the legs kind of form right. the crossbar so in a this sense. This is the Thoth card shield uh, with the double eagle with the, there's a sort of a circle around the heads of the white eagle. And yeah, then there, there's, um, there's just definitely a vertical uh, component there. And then perhaps their feet or their nest or something like that crossing it. Another thing I read about alchemy is that the pelican is the opposite or antithesis of the raven. So the raven mm-hmm. in alchemy is often a death, you know, yeah. the, the morte, the mm-hmm. uh, memento mori, the, the, the black, mm-hmm. the blackening phase. Oh yeah, Negrito. the pelican. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. the word I was looking yeah. for. <laughs> um, whereas the pelican is said to be the opposite phase of that. So right for what that's worth, again, more life and death. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to really position. We don't really talk about this this much in tarot, but we the the three major components in alchemy are sulfur. Uh, and salt and mercury. So that creates a group out of the emperor, the empress, and the magician. Um, We don't really think of them as a trio very often, but they have this um, connection. And what is the role of the mercury in the... um, We know that the the salt is the passive matter, the sulfur is the activating. Is is the mercury that which travels between them? It seems like a very fluid, fluid force, the whole quicksilver... Right. Symbolism. Right, right. A mediating force, perhaps, Mm -hmm. between those two. Okay, so much for alchemy. Oh, color. We should talk about color. Oh, yeah. All right, so, oh, do your thing. What are the four colors? Okay, so the king scale is emerald green. Um, The... uh, and then the queen scale, I think, is sky blue. Mm-hmm. The prince scale is like a pale green. And mm-hmm. the um, the princess scale is a rose rayed with pale green. You got it. Um, they call the, the, the pale green the early spring green. And bright rose or cerise cherry uh, rayed pale green. This, now, when we're talking about the colors of the Thoth deck, we're talking about Windsor and Newton colors, right? So Windsor and Newton. Right, the, the color names on their tubes of watercolor paints that right. Harris was using. And I think um, <laughs> Morna Mathers used as well. And mm-hmm. she came up with the, the scale, I believe. Right, right. And because we would like to think that they, you know, that there there was some kind of um, occult reference in the names of the colors. But in fact, they're just paint names. <laughs> so those colors, the the pastel the the both emerald green and spring green and the blue and the rose are all very much in evidence on the uh, Crowley card, mm-hmm. the Thoth card. Um, 
Not as much in the um, weight card. I see an awful lot of yellow in it's that card. It's very yellow. Um, it's very yellow, some green, and red. Mm-hmm. It feels much more harvesty, uh, you know, yeah. fruit and grain kind of thing than yeah, than. Totally. Whereas the 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 Crowley card is such a such a vernal spring type card. Um, whereas the Empress feels almost like it's on the other end. It's you know, very like soft. Taurus versus it's Libra. Much softer and. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, and it's interesting the green plays such a strong role in the Crowley card because, of course, green is the color, color of, of Netzach. Venus, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Of, as Venus as a Sephira. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and green is the middle of the color spectrum. Exactly. The mediator. Exactly. <laughs> Isn't it the case that aren't we supposed to perceive more shades of green than any other color? Yeah, I think yeah. I've, I've read I that think as I've well. I've read that, yeah. And it's it's very it's a very soothing color. That's why the the mm-hmm. green light they use that to mean safety, even though it kind of encourages you to linger instead of go. Which <laughs> so there's a little bit of mixed message going on there with stoplights. Uh, yeah. The red is encourages you to run away, and the, <laughs> the green encourages you to stay and linger. But I think the idea was that green is safety and red is danger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always feel slightly love and more <laughs> when I see a red light. <laughs> Well, that's interesting, and you know, I, I, when you when you see the the Wait Smith Empress versus the Crowley Empress, they they really do have the the Crowley one feels like there's more like it's more of an emphasis on potential and newness, whereas the uh, Empress mm, one feels more, more like birth harvest, and completion. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you could think of that as the beginning and end of the growing season, Taurus and Libra, and her her. Scepter in the in the weight card, um, to me it looks like an ear of corn. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Good, I'm not the only one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. I never I never really realized that, but the minute I looked at it, and it, it also instantly... looks like a mall stick. I, I don't know if you're if you're an artist, you know what a mall stick is. It's like, it's like a padded, round padded end on a stick that you use to lean. You're against your painting so that you don't drag your hand into your wet oh. paint when you're when you're painting. Oh, great! But uh-huh. I'm sure it's not that. But it, again, creativity mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. it makes me think of that when I see yeah, it. Yeah, right. It's like an ear of corn and a mall stick. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Okay, so that leaves um, smells and notes. I think. Um, so, so I. That's down- all you. <laughs> I brought down the. Um, I, I have so many different smells because Venus, of course, is kind of a patron goddess of perfume, and uh, and she has many smells associated with her. I have rose. I have sandalwood. Oh, I didn't bring down my rose, um, unfortunately. Um, I'm almost out of my good rose. I have only a skanky rose right now. Oh, it's ridiculous. Um, I just ordered more, but it's not here yet. Uh, I have patchouli, which I didn't realize is associated with. Venus. Um, I have oak moss. Um, these are all really earthy base so notes. So which one should I start with so that I don't... <laughs> probably not the patchouli, right? Because that'll kill the smell yeah, of everything cool, else. kill <laughs> the smell of everything else. Um, I would just start choose with the one. Oak moss. Yeah, I love the oak moss. It's, it's got this um, inky forest floor thing Ooh. happening with a little bit of an iodine thing in the yeah, background. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Iodine for the salt. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I always think it it feels just a little bit like 
there's a fishy seaweed thing just in the background, but it's quite subtle. And Venus, of course, was uh, classically sandalwood. considered an, an, an earthy planet. Mm-hmm. Mm, sandalwood. Love sandalwood. Virgos love sandalwood, they say. I love sandalwood, but I have a lot of Virgo in my chart. That's true. Well, we know what patchouli smells like. We don't need to uh, blast our <laughs> blast our senses and become unable to smell anything else. But um, okay. And the other thing. Um, oh yes. So this is interesting. The musical note associated with the Empress is F sharp. And you know what's interesting about F sharp? <laughs> it is. Um, so as we were saying, green is the middle of the spectrum, right? Which means that F sharp is halfway between C and C. And that interval is the augmented fourth or the diminished fifth. That is exactly divides the scale. And that interval was considered the devil's inter- interval in medieval times because it's weird. It's does It doesn't belong... Uh, if you go up one tone, that gives you G, which is a perfect fifth from C. But this, from C to F sharp is just shy of that, and it makes us uncomfortable, and it makes us feel weird. And uh, and that's <laughs> that's the note. That's actually interesting because there's there there's some association with Venus and Lucifer. Oh. Interesting. You yeah. Know, the the morning or evening star aspect, the yeah. the light bringer. Um, yeah. Curious. For, for what that's worth. For what it's worth. And the idea that... Um, and the devil the is devil. the lord of the gates of matter. Whereas she's... She's a, salt. A, a, and she's a gate of heaven. She is a gate of... salt. Mm-hmm. So there, I think there is some relationship between the devil and the empress. And then there's the dove and the serpent and the, yeah. you know, and the apple... Yeah. So, you know, like it or not, the the devil is part of the story. (laughs) Okay. So that was the Empress. Thank you for going on this journey with us, with the Great Mother. And we'll be moving on to the Emperor next time. So brace yourself for Cardinal Fire and the King of Rams. And that's our show for today. You can find us at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, where you'll also find new episode announcements and loads of extra articles and visuals, which will help you follow along with the show. If you're enjoying fortunes wheelhouse, won't you leave us a review on iTunes? It's more helpful to us than you can imagine. Even a sentence or two multiplies our reach so that other tarot enthusiasts out there like you, can find and enjoy the show. And if you'd like to have a chance at these amazing giveaways that we keep mentioning, why not become a patron at the $3 level or above? You'll be entered to win in our prize drawings, you'll gain access to the 78 Playlist Tarot Music Project on Spotify, and you'll unlock a treasury of patron-only esoteric content on our website. What's that website again? It's www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse we can't wait to welcome you to the wheelhouse community because you are a hero of the astral plane and we so appreciate your support 